Good evening ladies and gentlemen, my name is Joshua Bradley Winter and welcome to Season 6 of the Birding Life Youth Podcast. To kick off this season, I have a conversation with Katie Chung. Katie is the founder and executive director of the American non-profit organization Fledgling. Let's see what she has to say. Hello Katie, thank you for coming on the podcast. You are a... Very important young lady in the American birding scene at the moment. Uh, so t- tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into birding. Yeah, so um, I'm in high school. I'm currently a senior. Uh, I started the organization Fledgling, which is dedicated to young birders. I think about, let's see, a year ago, Um would be like the official start. Um, we originally started with um, just some other members in New Jersey uh, because that's where I'm from. And now we've grown to, I think, over 30 members, um, which is way more than we initially started with. And now we've expanded to become an international nonprofit. So we have members um, from not only like different parts of the US, but in different countries, continents as well. And yeah, I'd say like our main mission um, currently is to kind of connect as many young birders as possible um, and really get them involved in um, even conservation and yeah just teach more people about um, how fun but also how important and impactful birding can be when it comes to um, conserving our bird friends. Yes so, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very important initiative as as we know uh, avian species populations are struggling around the globe uh, especially Definitely. with with there's been this introduction of wind farms and solar farms yes. and that has significantly even though people think they're environmentally friendly they've had terrible impacts on bird populations um, and of For course sure. there's other there's other issues um, but I find here in South Africa that's the new the new thing that we need to protect our birds from. In fact, I'm even, I'm doing a job in, I've got a job in Uppington, which is a town about eight hours from where I live, where we're doing monitoring on a wind farm um, to tell them what endangered species mm-hmm. there are there and why they shouldn't build turbines there. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you... Why did you start fledgling? What was the, the motivation behind it? So if I think back to the first, very first inspiration for starting Fledgling, it would probably have to be my first birding trip, which was um, about five years ago. I went to my local park um, and I was really excited to um, start birding with other people because up till that point, it was really just me um, and my dog (laughs) kind of walking around looking at birds. But um, yeah, it was honestly a really... um, disappointing and also intimidating uh, experience because when I arrived um, at the park, uh, I didn't see anyone who was remotely close to my age um, or who looked anything like me. It was really just all um, older, um, white, like male individuals. So for me as like a Korean American um, at that time, like 13 year old girl, uh, it was really kind of isolating. and that's why I decided to start Fledgling, uh, which like was um, a year ago, like I said, when we first started. Um, and we really just aimed to kind of 
provide a safe and welcoming space for um, birders of all levels and um, all backgrounds. Um, because when I think back to when I first got into birding, it was, I think, also intimidating in the sense that there's so many um, field guides, so many like bird species out there that sometimes you feel like you have to memorize like every single bird species before you even call yourself like uh, like an official birder. Um, and I think sometimes like birding itself can be a bit of a competitive activity uh, when you get really caught up in all that excitement of trying to identify as many birds as possible and add to your life list. So yeah, here at Fledgling, we just try to be um, as inclusive and welcoming as possible. Um, we really try to cater towards beginner birders, especially um, for those who are just starting out so that uh, they don't get <laughs> intimidated by all the resources out there. Yeah, I do think um, if you're a beginner birder, birding is very intimidating. I mean, I even remember when yeah. I started, like, yeah, it is it is quite a... a once you once you learn all your birds and the, the your birds in the area and you're confident with your ID and then it gets better but initially it is quite rough um yeah yeah <laughs> and for sure how did you first get into birding so there's actually this book called my side of the mountain mm. uh which i read when i think uh, i was in like third grade um i just found it like in my school's library and i decided to open it um and that really made me fall in love um, with birds and I just really fell in love with the species um, peregrine falcons and I guess that would kind of be like my spark bird um, and yeah I think that was really what started my birding journey because uh, that's when I also discovered um, photography and art as well. I was really inspired with the um, avian art in that book and that encouraged me to start drawing like the wildlife surrounding me and that also motivated me to start going outdoors more, visiting my local parks, really paying more attention to the birds and wildlife out there. So I'd say yeah I owe it all basically to that <laughs> book um, for kind of like my birding journey. Okay okay it's written by Jean Craighead George right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, this this man, oh, I, I don't know if he's still around today. I don't think he is. But, um, 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 he deserves a an an award for, for, um, because about fifty percent of the Americans I've interviewed, they've all said this book yeah. has gotten them into. Um, into birding so <laughs> oh sorry it's 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 yeah. not it's not a it's not a guy yeah. it's a lady <laughs> <He's a woman>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Jean, that doesn't sound like a guy's name <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, but she she deserves an award for um definitely increasing the number of birders in the u.s um yeah it's quite incredible yeah, that sure. a simple book has ignited a passion inside so many people yeah, personally here in South Africa, uh, I don't think many people have been inspired by books. They just either get into it through <laughs> photography or they get into it because their family has been doing it or something. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and I want to ask you, what what is there around New Jersey in terms of birds and mammals? And because obviously I don't know a lot about the birds in the United States. I know a little bit about mm -hmm. the mammals, but not too much. Yeah, 
Um, so I'd say, um, at least for New Jersey, I can't speak for like all mm. the <laughs> states here, but from where um, I'm from, uh, probably the most common bird you'll see around here um, are like American robins or house sparrows. We've also had um, a lot of northern cardinals, which are like those bright red birds you might see. Um, lots of woodpeckers as well, finches. Um, in terms of the other wildlife, we have many squirrels, <laughs> lots of squirrels, um, lots of rabbits, um, which my dog also <laughs> loves to um, bark at, and lots of deer. Um, and we have, I've seen quite a lot of foxes and coyotes okay. as well near my house. Okay. So, so this is a bit yep. of a random question, but any Bigfoot sightings? <laughs> Uh, not yet, okay. not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I, know, I know some of the Americans go crazy for that mythical creature. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I still have yet to see Bigfoot. But Maybe we'll see. one day he'll come straight in past your house. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. Um, yeah. Um, 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 oh, I've forgotten what I was going to say now. Um, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, so obviously, America has been quite notorious of as of late for changing the names of things. The Probably the most famous name change was the uh, the NFL team in Washington, D.C. becoming, uh, going from the Washington Redskins to the Washington Commanders now. And recently, the American Ornithologist, uh, oh gosh, I always mess this word up. Ornithological Society will change the English <laughs> names of bird species named after people. Scientists will establish a new multidisciplinary naming entity and seek public input, beginning with 70 to 80 bird species in the US and Canada. And I've watched a couple of videos about this. I watched um, Matt Walsh and Greg Gutfeldt rip into this decision. So I want to ask you, what do you think about this decision? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, personally, I really believe that it's a step in the right direction. I think when it comes to these names, which are usually after, um, like for birds, like historical figures, um, even organizations like National Audubon Society, as you might know, is named mm -hmm. after John James Audubon, um, who's also had a past of like being an unrepentant enslaver and being um, expressing lots of support for the enslavement of people of color. So I think definitely now as um, like in the modern day, as more people are learning about like the past of these individuals who um, these organizations are named after, I think it's really crucial to kind of address this history and also contextualize um, these names, uh, especially because when it comes to avian conservation, especially, we really need as many people um, as possible knowing about this cause and also being willing to like contribute to it. And as um, I've heard from many other individuals, um, who want to get into birding or start contributing to these organizations, they're sometimes um, a bit hesitant or don't feel as encouraged to join these organizations when they know that um, the individual or like the namesake um, wouldn't have supported them in the past. So it's kind of ironic in that sense when we're trying to get as many people as possible to join this cause. Um, and I think also I've recently heard that 
Um, there's also been people leaving organizations like National Audubon Society um, because they just don't feel welcomed in a space that um, carries this name. So I think now more than ever, it's really important to address um, the past of these names so that we can have um, really as many uh, individuals yeah, yeah. contributing. And what do you what do you think about the people who say that they would rather the funds for these name changes uh, rather goes into conserving endangered bird species within the U.S.? What do you have to say about that? Yeah, so I agree. Funds are also really important in making sure these projects are running. But I think also in order to get these funds, um, we really need as many people, again, um, as possible, um, being willing and like passionate about um, these causes. So I think in order for us to also, you know, like have these funds going, but also um, kind of invite like more funds, more contributions, more time from the people, uh, we also need to be able to address the history of these yeah, organizations. Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly yes. a decision that is going to change birding in the current time now, but within a couple years, 10, 20, 30 years, I think it will be all in the past and everyone will have forgotten about it anyways. Um, yeah, like um, we pers in South Africa, we had, so we've got the Varose Eagle Owl and the Varose Eagle, and they used to be called the Black Eagle and the uh, Giant Eagle Owl, I think it was. And if you weren't birding when those names were around, you you won't know them today. <laughs> so yeah, it's it. Uh, yeah. People may not like it now, but in in thirty years, it's not going to be a problem. I don't think, because you know all the names will have been changed and everything. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, I mean no, already no, no, there's ahead. oh already there's um smaller like branches and organizations under National Audubon Society like um, NYC Audubon. I recently talked mm -hmm. to an individual from there and they've already released a statement um, agreeing to drop their current name. Uh, they're still brainstorming mm -hmm. ideas for their next name. Um, but yeah, there's been many other um, like state Audubon organizations also addressing this history. So it's definitely, there's definitely hope out there. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully there's a good change. Um, and moving off this topic, mm -hmm. what would you say is your favorite place to go birding or your best experience you've had birding in the U.S.? I think, honestly, if I had to choose one place, it would probably be my local park, which is um, just about okay. like a five minute walk from where I live. But honestly, like I've grown up in this area, so it's really special to me. Um, and I think, yeah, just being able to grow up and um, like always going there um, to go birding regularly, I think um, has just made it a really like special place um, in my heart. And I guess like I don't see a lot of a ton of new species there often. So it wouldn't probably be like the most exciting mm. place for most birders. Um, like I said, like mostly just American robins and like house sparrows that you see there a lot um, and cardinals. But for me, I think it's just, it reminds me of like why I started to bird. Um, and yeah, in that sense, that would be my 
I think, okay. favorite place to yeah, go birding. Yeah, your, your local patches always have a, a, a special place in people's hearts because obviously you go there the most, um, it's the most accessible to you. And that's where yeah. your passion for birding develops. I mean, you don't travel to Yellowstone and then all of a sudden you've got a passion for birding. It starts at home where the stuff is accessible to you. Yeah. And you mentioned to me earlier quite a, mm-hmm. an interesting analogy of birding. You told me it's like Pokemon Go, which I had never really thought of. So can you explain your analogy to us? Yeah, so Pokemon Go is actually um, a mobile game uh, where for those like not familiar with um, Pokemon, they're kind of like these like um, fantasy like animals sort of. And there's many different species like I guess out there for Pokemon and it's Kind of like this virtual reality game where um, as you walk around you can catch um, like many different Pokemon and similar to birding where like you have a life list you kind of have like a Pokédex where you keep track of how many Pokemon you've captured and obviously you <laughs> wouldn't want to think about birding as like trying to capture these birds so I guess it wouldn't be the best analogy in that sense but I think the main mission of trying to I guess like um track as many like birds as possible on your list uh would be a similar uh idea and yeah i think also if more people realized how similar birding is to pokemon go which is um really popular or Mm. was at least really popular a few years ago um i think yeah we get more people interested in birding when they see how similar it is yeah i mean you bring up a good point i mean pokemon go was quite literally enjoyed by millions and millions of people around the globe and unfortunately yeah. there's not millions and millions yeah. of birders around the globe so if every person who enjoyed pokemon go just picked up a pair of binoculars and went outside birding then maybe um we we could create more awareness about the birds that are in need because i also find it quite shocking that 90 percent of the people i talk to uh at my school and that can't name one bird that like they can tell me that's a weaver but they can't tell me what weaver it is i i do think that all people should have a basic knowledge of the animals around them and the importance of them because uh, birds play a very important role in our daily lives that we don't we don't often acknowledge yeah really and i think that's what's great about um, these apps like like um, Merlin ID and also like eBird um, from Cornell's yeah. Lab of Ornithology. I think these apps are definitely making it more accessible, uh, making birding a more accessible activity um, for people. And it's also um, creating like a really easy way for uh, individuals anywhere in the world to contribute um, to kind of like um, citizen science and conservation by helping track the birds um, in their local areas um, and helping kind of monitor like the population of certain species, um, especially yeah, those yeah. that are endangered. Um, and I know eBird, it has a big day, right? Every year. The eBird, uh, yeah. Sorry? Oh, yeah. Participated yeah. in any of their big yeah. days, their birding big days. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to like okay. um, physically. <laughs> yeah, but I do use the app. Yeah, and I think those apps are actually kind of similar to, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. like Pokemon Go as well. If that helps people kind of understand what birding is. Um, I mean, both of them also have 
like a sort of yeah. map that you can use um, to keep track of like, where you are. And I think what's really cool is that with like this new technology, um, there's even there's even like uh, features on eBird mm. that help you identify birds without even seeing them. So you can just record their calls um, and then the app can actually help you identify like what bird is in your area. And it's obviously not as completely like <laughs> foolproof yeah, as yeah. like seeing the bird yourself. But I think it definitely helps. Yeah, um, technology yeah, sure. certainly helped um, with birding. And there are parts where I think it has gone a bit too far. Like I've seen a pair of bin- binoculars where... Yeah. Uh, so obviously, you know, you're just looking at the bird and then it identifies it for you. And I don't know, to me, that doesn't seem like birding. Oh. It just seems like looking in a direction through <laughs> binoculars and finding out what this thing is. But just suppose if people want to use it and they've got the, yeah. well, it's 80,000 rand here, so it must be about 40, oh, wow. it must be about $5,000 in the States. So yeah, if they've got that money to spend on a pair wow. of binoculars, by all means, go ahead. But I personally do not think that is is birding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's also like um, some of the obstacles that people encounter mm. when they first start birding for um, like the beginner birders. Um, like, I mean, for me personally, also when I first started birding, um, like I said, I was really intimidated um, because I felt like I needed all this gear, like these over a thousand dollar like <laughs> like telescopes and like binoc- binoculars to help identify all these birds but in reality you yeah. don't need anything else but just your eyes maybe like a field guide which you can even like access online these days so you don't need like a physical like giant book to carry around with you as you might have had to like um a long time ago but yeah i think that's also something um people need to understand um, and would definitely encourage more people to start birding if they realize that it's not as intimidating as they think. And really just the first step to birding is yeah. just to leave your house and go to uh, go outdoors and just explore the yeah, wildlife yeah. around you. And speaking yeah. of technology, do you do any photography at all of the birds in your area or, yeah? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't call myself a very... <laughs> photographer but i do use my iphone and sometimes um like my tiny very not professional (laughs) camera um to take pictures of the birds around me but i think my main kind of medium would be art um i think that was also what really um helped get me into birding uh i think drawing like all these different bird species also um, made me fall in love with like the beauty and diversity of all these birds and just made me more excited to go out there and see yeah. these birds for myself. Yeah, what what so, I have found quite yeah. interesting is in South Africa, I think I only know one or I only know of one boy who draws birds. But in the States, you guys, it seems mm-hmm. like every youth birder likes to draw birds that they see. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's unusual for me because normally when in South Africa, when we associate drawing we think of like people sitting in old age homes coloring in books you know but art is is, <laughs> is so much more than that and it, it's just not really represented amongst yeah. the the youth birders here in south africa so i do think that is a well personally i don't i don't do any art because um i'm not very good at it <laughs> it yeah if i were to draw a bird it, it wouldn't look like a bird um 
yeah but yeah i've always <laughs> found that interesting about americans is you guys seem to do a lot of drawing um yeah yeah i've actually seen um on one of my like recent birding uh trips with other people i've seen a lot of young individuals actually carrying oh, wow. like a mini sketchbook um around with them and showing the birds that they see and it's definitely definitely a more tedious process mm. than just like snapping a picture with your camera but i think it's a really special process in the sense that like drawing the entire bird drawing every feature and especially if you're using color i think just drawing these birds helps you also like absorb yeah. like all the knowledge about um like what the bird looks like and you know will kind of help yeah. uh like identify that big bird in the future yeah, I for think you yeah if you were to draw two similar species that people struggle with and you join it personally it will help mm. you learn the difference between the two species a lot better than if you were to study a field guide um because you're actively drawing yeah. the differences so yeah drawing definitely has a mm. a positive benefit to learning your birds and many other birding aspects and do do you plan on pursuing a mm. career in ornithology or anything birding related after school yeah for sure um i think my current plan right now um since i'm a senior i've been applying to colleges already and unfortunately there aren't like specific ornithology or <laughs> lots of like birding majors out there but uh the closest like major that i've been able to find which is also quite rare unfortunately is like animal science um and just like animal biology so i've applied for a lot of schools that major and hopefully um, I plan to attend veterinary okay. school um, once I finish undergrad because you're in the yeah here I know that mm. you mentioned that you're going yeah. off to vet school like soon yeah but here you have um, four years of undergrad usually and then another four years of vet school so it's yeah. a longer process yeah. here oh, well, it's yeah. good to interview uh, another hopeful vet prospect <laughs> yeah it's a uh... yep <laughs> It's definitely a job that takes a, a certain person to do. Not anyone can do it. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, fortunately sure. enough, uh, I don't know about in the States, a lot of vets in South Africa do birding. Um, the the university that mm. does uh, the veterinary degree actually has a birding club based on the veterinary campus. Um, so, yeah. When, when I go there, I will be oh, wow. joining the Oyster Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and when you are a vet, do you plan on being a a vet uh, focused on birds, or avian vet, or what, what do you plan on being? Yeah, so hopefully I'm planning after, now yeah, that I think about it, it's quite a lot of years of school, <laughs> but after, well, I'm yeah, I'm hoping to specialize um, in okay. wildlife medicine. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, there I'll be able to get more field experience as well um, and kind of help directly contribute to um, maintaining the health of yeah. birds. It's, so it's a, hopefully, it's a very fingers crossed. Role, especially with, um, I don't know about in America, but a lot of our larger raptors, like white-backed or, or the vulture species pretty much, they are frequently poisoned um, because uh, there's a lot of myths and uh, folklore about vultures in South Africa within the 
rural communities, so they often kill them due to that, and their their bones and their meat is used for muti, which is oh, how do I explain muti? Uh, like <laughs> bush meat, I suppose, but in like a spiritual, they use it in a spiritual way. So yeah, uh, the vets do do a lot of work here on raptors uh, that have been poisoned, which yeah, is a pity, but it's just something we have to live with here in South Africa. Do you have anything like that in the States? Do they poison the birds there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think definitely um, I've heard like vultures, mm, like yeah. especially like turkey vultures to like get a bad rap here. Um, I mean, I guess uh, to, you know, like a lot of people, they kind of yeah. represent like death and they're not exactly the most attractive <laughs> bird species. So I think just a lot of people um, associate them with like death, with like, um, you know, like dirtiness, especially because um, they consume like carry on. But I think, yeah, they don't deserve that bad rap because they're honestly so important for our ecosystems and people don't realize that they're actually like helping like clean up um, mm. you know, like the carcasses of animals like around here and they don't understand that unfortunately. So I think yeah, we definitely have work to do with <laughs> that yeah. stereotype and, of uh, vultures. I remember I think it was about two months ago. I don't know if you heard about this, but I think that someone shot a condor in California. Yeah, it was oh, No, I haven't heard. Let me find oh, wow. it, yeah. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is investigating the shooting of an endangered California condor found in Hollister, California in July 2022. The condor was found deceased on private property directly off Lone Tree Road in Hollister. The service's wildlife forensics laboratory conducted a necropsy and determined the cause of death to be trauma from a gunshot wound. Uh, do you know why someone would shoot a condor? Because, I mean, they're one of the most endangered species in the world, aren't they? Especially in America. Yeah. Um, I think definitely also just like association with them mm -hmm. and death. I think just like that bad rap. Um, I feel like I've actually heard, I haven't heard about the yeah. specific incident, but I have heard like just in general about like people out there, especially like in the West and like um, just like really like shooting birds, especially those um, that, you know, are kind of associated with like mm. consuming like the carcasses of like animals or like roadkill. Um, and yeah, they really don't deserve that, especially with those bird species that are um, yeah. threatened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's disappointing. And on that disappointing note, thank you for coming on the podcast. You've, you, uh, yeah, you've got a really great initiative going with Fledgling. I'm I'm proud that I get to be a small part of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you for coming on and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Yeah.